for some reason, hmm. it feels like with Bible, it's like, whose schedule do we need to fill? Let's put them in in a Bible right, class. Because we're all Christians here. Totally, Anybody could teach totally, the Bible. Right? We would never do that with physics. We would never do that with kindergarten. Welcome to Hallway Conversations. We're a trio of educators who have plenty of questions about teaching and learning and school culture, and we believe in the value of reflection and collaboration as we seek to keep growing as teachers. This podcast is our place for thinking out loud together about issues in education and why they might matter to Christian educators. Welcome to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Hallway Conversations. My name is Matt Beamers. I'm Gail Dornboss. And I'm Dave Mulder. Before we begin, I just want to mention that we relish receiving your feedback, so please drop us a line and say hello. Tell us where you are in the world and share any show ideas or any notice or wonders about our show. We're always looking for new topics, and we'd love to hear from you. You can send us feedback to hallwayconvospod at gmail.com. That's hallwayconvospod at gmail.com. Dot com. Dave, we have a stranger amongst us. <laughs> we, we do. <laughs> and we are glad to welcome Gail Dornboss. Um, Abby's not able to be with us today. And Gail, first of all, welcome and thanks yeah. for Thank joining you. us. Thank you. Thanks for having uh, me. Lots of planning's going into <laughs> this To be clear, episode. I'm not a stranger to you. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you just wander in, into the podcast. We just, we just grabbed her from the, hey, she's <laughs> passing in the hallway. Gail, come hop I in here. I can just neither confirm, listeners. I can neither confirm nor deny that. <laughs> you may or may not be a stranger to us. Now, Gail, I'm wondering if you can just tell us a little bit about your role at Dort and maybe just about your life before. Dort. Yeah, I'd love to. I teach in the theology department here at Dort, and I've been here, this is my second year, so I'm yeah. fairly new. In my previous life before this, I did a lot of different teaching, so I taught online for Kelvin Theological Seminary for years. I helped start an online seminary. I also taught high school at uh, in Linden Christian in Washington. Mm-hmm. I ended up teaching English there, which was a really weird, bizarre, but wonderful <laughs> yeah. thing. I yeah. learned a lot about yeah. teaching. From people who were really good educators, which was really fun. And then I've also done a lot of teaching in the local church. So spending time with women's ministries and people and pastors and all kinds of stuff, doing Mm -hmm. a lot of teaching. Now we're just going to put a plug in here, Gail, because I know you're writing a book. And so to be what, released in like four years. Yeah. <laughs> but let's just kiss yeah, yeah, out. That's a big that is yeah, a big thanks. deal. So what what can you tell us a little bit about what the plan is for that? Yeah, the plan is I I just got my contract for it. I'm really excited. I'm writing a book on predestination or wow. the doctrine of election, uh, which wow is, of course, what I'm doing as a Reformed theologian. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I, I, I always try to say, Reformed theology is not all about predestination, and yeah. here I am here writing you are. Right, right. Um, <laughs> But I think, you know, most of us, the experience that we have with that doctrine is fairly negative, mm. and it tends to be yeah. something that we fight over yeah. or spend time wondering, you know, who's elect, who's not elect, who's predestined, who's not predestined. And I really want to recover what it was originally intended for, which was a doctrine of assurance and Mm. a doctrine that should lead us to deep worship. Um, So that's that's what I'm going to try to do. I love it. Looking forward to that. I hope I'm predestined to read it. Oh, I I see what you did there. (laughs) Hey, Gail, one of of the reasons that we um, have asked you to join us, um, besides being a good friend and and an expert in in your field, is... Dave and I and you have all taught in in Christian schools, faith-based schools, and one of the discussions at probably all of our schools at some point is sort of like, what is the role of a Bible class mm. in a Christian school? Mm-hmm. So we like I understand the role of the Bible, but most schools that I'm aware of, and might not be all of them, 
sort of have, you know, you have your socials, you have your science, you have your math, and then at some point, most students go to a, a Bible class. And, and I'm just wondering, from someone who's taught in a Christian school and is obviously a theologian, what, what kind of comes to mind if I would say to you, hey, like, what is the role of a Bible class within a Christian school? And I know that's a huge question, but maybe just some initial thoughts from you when you hear that question. Yeah, that's a really good question. I think when we think a lot of times in our circles, we're understanding Christian education as faith being integrated into the whole of every classroom. Yeah. And I know you guys teach a lot, talk a lot about teaching for transformation, and mm-hmm. that's really trying to get faith into classrooms and then also transforming students for action in the community. Right, right. Um, and so sometimes I think people will say, oh, well, it would be the job of the church then and the family to do this kind of educational work in the Bible and then the school will help us figure out how to apply it. But I think there's actually a fundamental role to Bible teachers within the life of a school because you can enter into scripture together, you can formulate a theological imagination in those classrooms and actually spend time diving into those issues and topics, not to the exclusion of what you do at church or at home. Those have their own roles, but I think one of the primary roles of a Bible teacher is to help really concentratedly formulate students' theological imaginations, theological and biblical imaginations for what they're doing in the rest of their classes. Uh, Because we can sometimes assume that when we're looking at faith in relation to other disciplines and subjects, we actually need to spend some time talking about what the content of the Bible and that faith is. So so I'm just going to ask, just to clarify, when you use the phrase theological imagination... Fair question. It's a great phrase. Yeah, sure is. I feel like it's a phrase that probably gets bantered around a little bit in the theology department. But I'm wondering... (laughs) Maybe maybe a little bit. Maybe (laughs) unpack that, not just for our listeners, but for me. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a really rough definition of it, and you could get more into to it, but it's it's not only sort of how we see the world, but the way that we imagine and envision operating within it. So mm-hmm. I often think about it, I like to use it better than the world word worldview because okay. that has some negative connotations sometimes. Sure. Not that it's a bad word. Yep, yep. Um, just to be clear to the listeners, I'm yeah. not against worldview, <laughs> but we can tend to use the word worldview like glasses that we put on and take off. Mm. Um, I think a theological imagination is a little bit more full-orbed and says, mm. when I look out at the world, what am I trained to see? What mm. am I also responding to? And, and how does what I think about the world and how I see the world inform that? And so mm-hmm. it's sort of this idea of we operate out of mm. not just strict thinking, but the yeah. way that we envision mm. and see and can imagine ourselves responding to the world that we we live in. Yeah. I love that, uh, that picture. That's where I thought you were going, but thank you for being explicit about it when you (laughs) describe that too. Um, I know you've, you've taught the Bible for, for years and I I was a middle school Bible teacher early in my career. And I just always think back on that. In some sense, I'd like to go back and apologize to the students that I taught Bible to, because a lot of it was stumbling around just trying to figure out how best to teach Bible. So uh, thanks for joining us to think out Mm -hmm. loud. And um, I hope that uh, if you're listening, uh, friends, that um, if you are thinking about the way you teach Bible, um, this this podcast, I hope, is meant as a word of encouragement for you. But we're going to be thinking out loud a little bit about what teaching Bible looks like. Mm-hmm. So, um, Gail, I guess maybe let's start there. I know you're teaching a course this semester that's called Teaching the I Bible. Am, yeah. So can you tell us a little bit, like, what's your general intent in, in a course like that? 
That's a really good question. Well, I know, because <laughs> it's so big, big right? I also have a bit of a like meta day where I teach teaching the Bible, and then right after that, I teach the Bible. Right. So it's a really <laughs> bizarre day. Um, I think, you know, that class is interesting because it's meant to equip a number of different kinds of people. Sure. People who are going to go into classrooms, people who are going to go into churches, people who are going to go into... Um, other types of ministry. Mm -hmm. And I think my whole goal there is to sort of comfort students, um, Mm. comfort all of us who teach the Bible, which is that it often (laughs) will feel like stumbling around. Sure. Yeah. Um, That doesn't mean that we shouldn't try hard or work at it, but I feel like every semester I'm learning new things about what it looks Mm. like to teach the Bible. And I think part of it is not only sort of equipping people with some basic ways to read the Bible, looking at how to see it as literature, mm. how to understand what mm-hmm. genre we're in, mm-hmm. the big story and scope of scripture, but to try to help students that are in that class or to think about Bible teaching as something that is not just about content. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is, we've, we've talked a little bit offline before about one of the challenges, I think, with teaching the Bible is that when you start to treat the Bible as just content to be known, mm-hmm. we think that the Bible is something that we can master. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. the Bible isn't something that we master. It's something that we come to know and then by God's spirit works in us. Mm-hmm. It is to master us, to shape yeah, us. Yeah. And What so a I twist think, that is, though, for the way we think yeah, about it, right? Yeah. And I mean, that's not a very clear answer. I should have clearer objectives for my <laughs> teaching the Bible <laughs> yeah. class. But I think if I could come to something, it would be, you know, here's I don't want to leave people without some basic yeah. tools for interpretation sure. and ways of thinking about what teaching looks like, because mm-hmm. I have yeah. theology majors who will never take an education class. Right, right. So, um, but, but really the sense of trying to grapple with what mm. it looks like to teach something that mm. has some challenges with it because we tend to, like you said, sure. it's a switch right. to think of we don't master this content. Mm-hmm. We we allow it through our knowledge of it to, to master us and, and transform us. I, I really appreciate the distinction of that, though, because I think back for those years that I taught Bible to, to middle schoolers, and yeah, I mean, it's kind of like teaching a history class in some ways, but it's not mm-hmm. really yeah. a history yeah. class, right? And it's kind of about faith formation, but then it feels really weird to grade Bible if we're oh, talking yeah. about right? And it's kind of like, it does a lot of different things. I guess that's part of this, why I struggled and why I felt like I was stumbling around because I think sometimes my own way of thinking about what is Bible as a subject in school, well, it's nuanced. There's a lot of things that come into that. And I don't know, that was one of the things I really grappled with my, myself. Like, how, how do I best grade my students' work in Bible? Because it feels like, okay, if you get a C in a Bible class, does that mean you get a C in your faith? Like, yeah, it's a tough one. Right? <laughs> yeah. Special catechism classes for you. Well, right. Yeah. And, but, but seriously, I think that that's something for teachers who are teaching in faith-based schools. If you're, if you're teaching the Bible as an academic subject, like then there's expectations of, so I have to assess my students in some way. And okay, what does that actually look like? Ugh, it just gets a little sticky, I guess, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my questions is you talk about like, hey, we don't want it to be just about mastering the content. Can you um, help me delineate between mastering the content versus wanting students to know the story? Mm, like, that's those, a really good mm, yeah, yeah, so I'm just wondering, if you, because when you said mastering the content, right away for me, I went, no, like, I, I actually want them mm-hmm. to know the content. Or, so that's I don't, a really good help question that. and good differentiation, because I, I don't mean I don't yeah, want them to know totally. the story. Right, right. Um, I think 
one of the ways that I often think about it is scripture is God's word uh, inspired, but it is meant to bring us into relationship with him. Mm. And so I think about the story in the context of that relationship. And when we're, I think we can compare it often to human relationships, you know, Mm -hmm. like let's say you're long distance from somebody that you really love and want to continue to get to know. You pay attention to their letters, but you don't pay attention to their letters to get an A because you've memorized them. You actually pay attention to their letters because that person is dear to you. And so I think, yeah, of course, we need to know something about, I don't want to diminish like, yeah, there's some content to be known, but that content is always serviced to a loving relationship with the triune God. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking about a a kindergarten teacher or a middle school listening to this, and that's really helpful in terms of, yeah, you want them to be in a relationship. And I know you're not an educate like you're, mm-hmm. you're a theologian and you we joke about this, right? Like I'll leave that to the educated. But <laughs> if you were to offer a word of encouragement to a, a kindergarten teacher, a, a middle school teacher, just to be like, hey, if, if you want to help them develop relationship, to be in relationship, putting on the spot here, what, what might that look like or what might be some things that we could do to to enhance that relationship so to speak yeah I think that's such a good question Um, and this is only going to be the beginning of an answer but I think as an encouragement a couple of things one don't be afraid of Hmm. having parts of your lesson be something that feels less academic even at Mm. a kindergarten level but but to have kids write their own prayers in response to what you've been doing, to have kids talk about their experience of God in light of the text that you've just mm-hmm. read, um, and not to be afraid also to you know open reading the Bible with with prayer mm-hmm. and to telling your own story of faith, mm-hmm. because I think mm-hmm. those types of things can actually be really inspiring. I mean, Dave and I have talked before that faith is more caught than taught. Yeah, right. And so I think sometimes it's just the comfort of the word of God is this powerful thing that the spirit, by the power of the spirit, mm-hmm. becomes alive in our hearts. Mm-hmm. And that's not our job. Mm-hmm. So that's a comfort too, but the sense that we also don't have to, we can also be comforted by asking our students to respond Mm -hmm. and, and saying that can be a deep part of academic learning. Yeah. Well, because ideally studying the Bible should be something that's very formative Mm -hmm. for students and not just in the way that they think. I mean, it is that too, but really getting into their hearts then too. And I, like my friend said, Hilma used to say like the distance between the human head and heart is the longest 12 inches in human yeah. existence, right? Like you can know all the right answers, but if it doesn't shape how you actually live your life, then we're missing it somehow. Mm-hmm. And I think that, thank you for the, the wisdom of that, that, that thinking about, yeah, the formative nature of what the story is doing to us, like that can be something that we can just welcome, uh, welcome students into the mystery of this and to spend time in prayer together and let it be faith formation activities too, not just head knowledge about yeah. the stories. Right? Yeah. 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 I guess I'm just thinking about um, different discussions that I've been part of about like what, what should a, 
Christian school that has a Bible class, what should that curriculum look like? I'm not going to ask you about curriculum, but hmm. yeah, for I mean, we you could. personally, we could ask you that. <laughs> for you personally, yeah, like I would say though, coming back to this idea of story, like like I hear more people talk about whether kids have grown up in the faith or, or not in the faith, like they don't know the story, mm-hmm. and so I'm just wondering. Yeah, in your mind, would that be an important part of of a a K to eight or even a kindergarten to grade twelve Bible curriculum of like, how can we do all these other things without knowing the story, or why should that be important? I guess. Yeah, I think it's fundamentally important because we need to know the God that we're responding to, mm-hmm. um, and and it's in the story that He reveals Himself. Sure. And yeah. so I think, you know. The more we can come to know the story and the various ways that we can tell the story, the more we can actually dive into, you know, some of the other things that I think are often parts of Bible curriculum. I mean, I'm, I'm a theologian by training, not a biblical scholar, so I'm all for incorporating, a, you know, a theology class or ethics or, and I'm, I'm, I obviously taught in high school, and now I teach in college and seminary, so I'm less adept at thinking of mm. K through 8. Sure. But just the sense of, yeah, the story is is what we live out of. Yeah. Um, it's the story that we're called into. Yeah. And so the more we can shape it around the story... Yeah. The more, I think the better. Yeah. How can we How can we live out of a story if we don't know yeah. the story? I, I guess is what I'm thinking. Yeah. So that's one of my wonders. I guess that I'm just thinking out loud with you folks about here. I think the way we often teach by I say we I'm pointing the finger at myself. The way I often taught the Bible is kind of this moralistic approach, right? Like, and so when we're reading stories about King David, and this is what mm-hmm. King David was like, and you should be like King David too, <laughs> yeah. right? Or and we read stories of the patriarchs and Abraham trusted God, and you should trust God too. And I don't think that's bad or wrong per se. <laughs> yeah. and I, I always felt yeah. a little weird about that part of it. So maybe can you speak to that? Are there are there times when like a moralistic approach is probably okay? And are there times we should be a little more cautious about that? Putting on the spot. It's never okay. Maybe it's never yeah, okay. Yeah, well, you know, this gets into a large debate. I think one of the things that I'm, I'm trying to become more and more clear, especially as I even teach the Bible to the in my Biblical Foundations course here at Dort, is that there's one hero in Scripture. Ah, ooh, I like that. Um, and that's, that's God. Right. Like, I mean, no matter what we see in Scripture, even in these moments of profound faithfulness of the mm. biblical characters, they are profoundly flawed characters. Right. Like, right. you know, um, yeah, Abraham pretends his wife is his sister, gets in all sorts of trouble. David has some real trouble with Bathsheba. I mean, all of these characters, no matter how much scripture even proclaims them as heroes of the faith in somewhere like Hebrews 11, it's not because of their actions that Mm. they're called heroes. It's because of the faith that then has outworked in them. Mm. Um, And so I think one of the things that we can do, and I don't mean to do this in a cheesy way. I think that's the challenge of teaching the Bible sometimes is it can feel really trite or cheesy. Mm -hmm. Um, But there really is only one hero. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in light of that, I would often say that, you know, we are saved by faith alone by the power of grace and by God's work in Christ, but that salvation isn't, our works aren't 
what save us. But there is a shape to the relationship that we have with God mm-hmm. after he saves us. And so scripture does show us some of the shape of that. Sure, yeah. Um, and I think one of the things that we can do with students is to, is to en- welcome them into the shape of that mm-hmm. and to present it less as a moral thing of like, yeah, you must do this, even though it is a moral universe right, that we're right. looking at. But to say, God gives us the shape because we're made for him. And we mm-hmm. flourish when we live in relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And the whole work of God is to bring us back into that place mm-hmm. where we are serving him and worshiping him and finding f- flourishing yeah. as we mm-hmm. live in the shape of the life that he's, he's laid out. That's beautiful. So, Gail, as we're talking, I'm sort of chuckling at myself because at some point in my life, I've been tasked to be a middle school Bible teacher I've been tasked to be a high school Bible teacher. I'm an English teacher. I'm a PE teacher. I'm definitely not a Bible teacher. Um, and I'm just wondering. <laughs> are, are you, though? Yeah, yeah. Like, or maybe I am. That's I know, like but me so, when I was an English teacher. Yeah, my right? students all said, it was Bible class. Yeah. Right. But, but yeah. my, worry, my worry with it is that um, we're communicating something to our students in our communities that we, hey, we hire math specialists for math, we hire English specialists, we hire coaches to coach sports teams, right? As much as possible, we try to get experts in those fields to teach our students. And yet, for some reason, hmm. it feels like with Bible, it's like, whose schedule do we need to fill? Let's put them in, in a Bible Cause, class. Because we're all Christians here. Totally, Anybody could teach totally, the Bible. Right? We would never do that with physics. We would never do that with kindergarten. Right. So I'm just... Yeah, I don't know, just a yeah. word from you about, about yeah, sh- how important or why should that be important to, to our, our schools? Yeah, that's a really good question. And before I say anything else, I do think that theology and Bible is a unique subject in mm-hmm. Christian schools yeah. because of what you said. We're, you know, we're all Christians. We're all called to know this text yeah. and live mm-hmm. in it and understand it. And so it does sometimes, I think that's part of the reason why yeah. people are like, well, anybody can fill in right. here. Right. Yeah. Um, and in a sense, there should be a case to where... You know, everybody, we always always say in seminary, everybody has, you know, one sermon in them. Maybe everyone has one Bible class in them. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, there was a story. My mom was a middle school teacher for years, and they were struggling to find somebody to, Mm -hmm. to teach Bible, and they were talking about it, and they eventually landed on one person, which wasn't my mom, so I'm not throwing her under the bus in this story. <laughs> um, and they said, because he could do the least damage there. Wow. Ooh. Um, because yeah. he, they were struggling with yeah. his teaching in general, yeah. and uh, he had also never read the Old Testament. Whoa. So okay. this is, you know, really kind of have, maybe the furthest negative that we could get. I have so many questions yeah. right now, but <laughs> yeah. we digress. We digress. <laughs> Um, and I think that's a really sad. I don't think that's the case with most Christian schools. Sure, right. But I do think there is a level to which it's worth it for Christian schools to look for somebody who is trained, mm-hmm. um, who you know kind of knows the ins and outs of the story and the world and can respond well to students' questions. Because I think that, I mean, even going back to the question you asked at the beginning of whether there should be Bible classes, Christian schools... 
students also need a place to ask questions about their faith mm. that feels safe right. with somebody right. who has wrestled with these things mm-hmm. at a at a really deep level. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean that to say that other Christians don't, but you know, when you are a theologian, you sort of live and breathe in that world, mm-hmm. and you're reading mm-hmm. all the texts at that time, and so you have some capacity yeah. to answer those questions in a little bit more of a, yeah. a nuanced way. And yeah. so I do think it's well worth, if schools can afford it, yeah. To, to find somebody who who not only says, I want to be a teacher, but I want to be a Bible teacher yeah. um, and, and help students really grapple with their faith in this text yeah. and all of that. It just made me, as you said that, though, Gail, it made me like for Bible classes to be a place where we can ask questions. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think yeah. as I, if I think about my own growing up experience, um, it often felt like Bible class was a place where you go to get the, or told what the answer is. Yeah. And so I'm, as you're saying that, I'm wondering, how do you hold intention, maybe in a university class, but even in a K-12 class, like, here's the question, here's what I, what I, my take on what the answer is, but also, how do you leave space for, to be hospitable in that, that is there more than one answer, or how do you honor, mm-hmm. honor the question, how do you, if I can ask, handle that in terms of, like, I know what the answer is. But I also feel like that might be too much at this point for someone to handle, for lack of a better better phrase. Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think there are really fundamental things to the Christian faith that have really firm things that we need to ground in, um, like the doctrine of the Trinity, hmm. two natures of Christ. I'm not saying that a kindergarten teacher needs to teach these to their <laughs> students. Right, right, right. Um, but there's, there's actually also a lot of questions that have a multiplicity of answers. Yeah. Hmm. And sometimes I want to help students locate their answer hmm. and know it well. in light of other answers. Um, And this is why I think sometimes having somebody who's theologically trained can be a really helpful thing in the classroom. Because it it sort of says the Christian tradition is very broad and very vast and doesn't actually always agree on a lot of things. Um, And so I think there's a space for questions. And a lot of times I think... that space for questions is where students wrestle and then come to land more firmly in faith. And I think one of the things that I felt comforted by in my own life as I've sort of engaged in, you know, the wide swath of theological literature that I, I tend to read is it is Christ's hold of me And the ground that I find in looking at him and knowing what he has done, what he is doing, and what he has promised is going to be the case, that actually opens up space to explore some of these maybe other questions. Um, And to say, yeah, I think that sometimes, you know, it's like, who is God? There's there's some good answers that we need to have. Right, right. But there's also times to ask some really good questions and to say you know, the faith that we have is deep and wide and strong enough to grapple with those questions. Yeah, it just makes me, just makes me realize, right? Like whether Bible class or math or science, like young people and and adults, but young people have questions Mm -hmm. and they're going to ask the question. And and my worry is if our classrooms aren't the safe place to ask the questions, Mm -hmm. they're going to ask them, they're going to ask them somewhere Mm -hmm. else. And um, and so I just, I love that idea of multiplicity of answers, that there's things that 
that are true for always, and there's going to be things where it's like, yeah, maybe two things can be true, or how do we hold that intention at right. that time? Yeah. So really appreciate that. Friends, we want to thank you for joining us in the hallway. And as you go into this week, we just want to send you with a blessing. So wherever this finds you, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Have a good week, everyone, and thanks for joining us. This podcast was literally dreamed up during one of our actual hallway conversations. Our music is by Ethan Mulder. Hallway Conversations is created and produced by Matt Beamers, Abby DeGroat, and Dave Mulder. Hey, we have a favor to ask of you. Would you be willing to rate this podcast or write a review in your podcast app? Or if you found this conversation interesting or helpful, would you consider sharing it on your social media? Those things really do help podcasters out, and we would be so, so grateful. Thanks for listening, friends. We're going to start again. (laughs) There we go. All right.